Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. I hope everyone is having just a fantastic day. You know, I'm just hours away of moving to Vegas to to really have a wonderful time up there with the Association of Network Marketing Professionals. And I mean, we are going to have a doggone heyday. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. There's lots going on in the association that I think most people don't even realize is is taking place. And that's the key, is knowing what's happening. Know what's going on. Know what it is that you can do in your life to make things different. And we're going to be hanging out with some just awesome, awesome folks, powerful people. It's going to be a blast. Um, I, I think, without a doubt, It'll be a time where lots of things are going to take place. Lots of people are going to be there. So we're going to be broadcasting live starting Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow we'll be traveling. We will be on the show tomorrow morning. Don't get stressed. We're going to be here. But tomorrow afternoon, Cassie and I take off, and we'll be doing live shows. It's going to be a blast. Today it's an interesting chapter. God owns it all a wise perspective on things. We're in the Little Red Book of Wisdom by Mark DeMoss. If you just tuned in, Mark is the president and founder of the DeMoss Group, the world's largest faith-based public relations firm. His clients include the Reverend Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, um, man, just great people like that, Promise Keepers, T.D. Jakes. I mean, the list is 150 different organizations they've worked with over the years. Powerful people. But he starts this off, he says, most humans... Most human beings have an almost infinite capacity for taking things for granted. Now, maybe in a third world country, we don't see that as much. But here in America, when you actually get right down to it and you think about it, we take a lot for granted. And, and I'm a, you know me, I'm a patriot. I love our country, but I've but I got to look at it as, as individuals. And I've been studying what we call expatriates who live in Costa Rica. There's a whole island over there of just ex, ex-Americans that have kind of gone and homesteaded, pioneered, and they're on here. But it's interesting to see how much we do take for granted. Listen to this. This is powerful. This is going to be an interesting chapter. Some of you may not get it. Others of you, it may be a wake-up call. Mark writes, I will never forget standing on the lawn in my pajamas at 2 a.m. that Labor Day weekend watching with my family as flames gutted our large English Tudor home. By dawn, everything we possessed was a lump of ash. I was ten years old and almost the first to escape the inferno, having sleepwalked, they told me later, down the stairs and outside. A fireman had seen me shivering in the early morning autumn air and had wrapped a blanket around me while a policeman gently but urgently coaxed my sister to jump from a second-floor window into his arm. The scene was quiet and chaotic, lonely and crowded, all at the same time. Man, I thought about that. Where would you be if you lost everything you had? No clothes, no house, all of your pictures, all of those personal, everything's gone. Several years later, as he's an adult and the kids are out Halloween treating, he says, One recent Halloween night, my friend Bruce and his wife took their kids through our neighborhood while Bruce's father-in-law stayed behind to pass out candy to trick-or-treaters. 
Bruce and his family returned to find their home ablaze too late to save their children's grandfather. The next day, when I walked around Bruce's charred lot, the smell of sodden asses shot me back 30 years to my own family tragedy. And now here's the first words of wisdom that I gleaned from this chapter. He said, good insurance policies can replace brick and furniture and families can rebuild. But no policy can replace the loss of life or special possessions. Irreplaceable losses have more to do with family value than market value. Now, now think about this. Because as I was sitting here pondering this, I'm watching two dolphins flirt with each other in the harbor this morning. And they're in a playful mood. It's the mating season. And I thought, now here are two beautiful creatures. Mammals, just like you and I, except they're in the water. No worries, no concerns, totally focused on each other. And yet we as human beings tend to focus on the possessions so many more times than we do the people. How many times have you seen a a sticker that says the boy with the most toys wins. See, this is this is important that we look at this. Mark brought me back to a situation on January 12, 2010, when the largest hurricane to hit Haiti in since 1700s devastated the country. Through the network marketing community, we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars and sent down money and products and people to help out. But in just a flicker of a moment, less than a minute and a half, a third of their population of 10 million people were without a home. The country's still devastated today, and it's in our hemisphere. I doubt if those people are too worried about their belongings, but how many friends have they lost? Matter of fact, Mark writes another little tidbit of wisdom here. He says, one evening of network news should be enough to convince us that personal ownership is at best temporary. See, we say we own our house, we own our cars, we own everything. What exactly do you own? Are you working for the money? Are you working for the possessions? I love saying, man, I own my own home on an island in the panhandle of Florida, but yet if I don't pay my taxes, I don't get to keep it. That kind of sucks. I own my own car as long as I pay the payment. Now, in my case, I don't have any payments on my car, so I just keep repairing them and fixing them. But it's not like it's a possession that's appreciating in value. And yet we treat everything that we own like that, and yet we we sometimes treat the relationships in our lives as if as if they're not worth anything. Here's one here. Mark says, closer to home than Hades, Category 5 hurricane. A level three hits a level three levee on August August 2005, and death rose and surged across New Orleans and the American Gulf Coast. That was Hurricane Katrina. We lost over 2,000 people, billions of dollars in damage. I remember that. I lived through it. We actually volunteered. Dalton started one of his foundations, and we went and helped. See, it's sad when you see this, but here's something that came out of this. Mark and 
Franklin Graham toured the area, and he said, Now and again, as we spoke to people, we heard comments like these. At least we're alive. God is taking care of us. The other stuff doesn't matter. See, that's putting it all in perspective. Mark said, The people we'd come to encourage gave us a true bead on where our treasures lie. We had an influx of New Orleans folks, Louisianans that came over here to live while they regrouped. Some stayed. The stories that they told wasn't about their lost possessions. It was about the fact that they got out with their families. It puts it in perspective. I remember before we left Kansas City, driving across a bridge and saving a man's life from jumping over because he thought his life was worthless. While others just looked on, I took the risk of grabbing a hold of him and pulling him off the fence. Life had become so worthless to him, he was willing to jump in the middle of oncoming rush hour traffic, knowing he would have killed more than just himself. And nobody stopped him. See, folks, I believe that God does own it all. I don't believe that there's anything in our position that we can say we've got. This is one of those reasons that I hate the term self-made millionaire, self-made man, self-made woman. It doesn't work that way. There's always a team. There's always something, somebody bigger, somebody smarter that helps a person grow to what they've become. I've never met an athlete in my life that didn't have a coach that helped him along the way. See, this is the key here. Another time when... They went and toured New Orleans. He was with the Reverend Billy Graham. He writes, Before us, a small crowd of media had assembled to ask Reverend Graham for his impressions of what he had just seen. Reverend Graham, what can we learn from Katrina? The 87-year-old statement heard the question and without pause said, There's much more to life than material things. That's what we've got to look at, folks. We need to be focused on the bigger picture. If you don't have a purpose, this is something that I help uh, companies do. You've got to have a purpose. You've got to have something that you're trying to accomplish that's so big that's going to change people's lives that other people want to buy in. They want to get excited about it. If all you do is offer money, it'll never last. The satisfaction will never last. I deal with this on a daily basis. I see people come and go in the direct selling industry, jumping from company to company because the money wasn't what they were looking for. Shoot, I see people get in and out of relationships because of the sex because that's not really what they're looking for. I see business partners go upside down because they decided this wasn't, this wasn't the partnership. I thought somebody's keeping a secret from me. Because it's not what they're looking for. See, what we truly have to do is drive forward knowing we're here for a purpose. It doesn't matter if you believe faith-wise like I do. If you look at any spiritual, humanistic, it doesn't matter. It can be the law of attraction. It can be Christianity, Hinduism. I don't care what it is. There's always something bigger that the people are striving to accomplish. And that's what we have to do. See, we build stock portfolios. We acquire multiple mortgages. We deny ourselves no car or technology. 
we got plastic coming out the yin-yang. But at the end of the day, is that the legacy you want to leave? I mean, it's gotten so bad that when, when grandparents and parents die these days, instead of mourning their death, the kids are griping and moaning, wanting to know, well, what's in it for me? What's the will say? And if they don't like what they see, they contest the will to take from their parents or their grandparents. It's an entitlement mentality. We should not be entitled to anything. We should be thankful in giving to others. See, that's the key here. It goes back to what Reverend Graham said. There's more, much more to life than material things. And what about Bernie Madoff? Maybe this is a, even a better example. Here, this, this, this is what Mark writes. Hurricane Madoff also claimed Ely Weisel as a victim, costing him his personal fortune and another $15 million, million in his charitable foundation's assets. The Holocaust winner, the Nobel Peace Prize survivor, he noted how many of those who had trusted Madoff had been left with nothing, having entrusted their life savings, now listen to this, to a man they thought was God. I'm going to get a little spiritual for a second. How many of us, with some situation in life, maybe it's not money, maybe it's just caring for other people, maybe it's Maybe it's our spouse or our children. We put so much into them that they become our functional savior. Maybe it's your career. Has your career become your functional savior? Have your husband become your functional savior? Have, have, have your business? See, any time that we put our faith into anything but God, we lose. My radio show, I get to share a little bit of my faith every now and then. See, we can't put our faith in faith. We can't put our faith in the law of attraction. We can't put our faith in other people. We can't sit around whining and moaning. Because when we do that, just taking it to the basics, then we've created some functional Savior living in some functional heaven or hell here on earth, and really, we've broken the first commandment of having no other gods before him. See, that's what makes this book so unique, because there's not just business or personal. I mean, there's some spiritual stuff in here. In a small book called Job, some people call it Job, if you look at verse 1-3, it's interesting. He says, the greatest man among all the people in the East a desert magnet with seven sons and three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 ox, 500 donkeys, and an army of servants lost it all. Then in the, in, the, in the story, whether it's a parable or it really happened, I don't have a clue because I'm not pretending to be a theologian. That's way over my pay grade. But it's a great story because what it tells is the, is the spiritual war that goes on amongst us that we never know. Some of us call it the laws of the universe. Others of it say it's God at work. But the Old Testament says that Satan singled out Job for affliction, and God permitted Satan to take everything but his life. And in quick succession, 
Bandits, fires, hurricanes, disease took Job's families, his herds, his land, his health. As the bad news blew with a series of messengers, Job murmured, Naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gives, and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in verse 21, it says this, In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. See, I believe sometimes we get so caught up in the poor freaking me entitlement attitude why do I have to go through this? I just can't handle this. Oh, oh God, you know, we're like splashing ourselves with a cat of nine tails. Poor me. Instead of sitting back and saying, what's my purpose? Who else can I help? What should I learn from this? What can I journal? God, I want to I go through this like Job went through it so that I can help somebody on the other side. King Solomon in Ecclesiastes wrote this, When God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift from God. That's in Ecclesiastes 5.19. These aren't, these aren't books in the Bible that I'm reading that are, are, are some spiritual woo-woo. These are wisdom. This is Proverbs and precepts and principles. When King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, it was after he had fallen from from grace a little bit. Instead of using his own wisdom and going to God on everything, he decided to kind of put God aside, and he his functional God became sex. He had like 700 wives and 300 concubines. I mean, this dude. I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to, to some some of the crap that goes on in our world. You know, people lose focus on what what's really important, and they go around screwing everybody all the time. I mean, that's basically what what he was doing. And when he finally came to his senses, he wrote about it in Ecclesiastes and shared all the mistakes and the sins and how you can get screwed up. And I got to ask you today, how screwed up are you? Are you wondering why your business isn't growing, but it's it's really because you're not focused on it correctly? Have you put some functional God ahead of yourself that's become like, okay, now I'll just put my faith in them, and then when they fall, you get all pissy, and then you get all upset? I mean, I'm sorry, guys. This just, this just it, it kind of burns my butt, because I do it myself sometimes. Not like I'm not preaching it to choir. I don't ever point a finger without four of them pointing back at me. I've been blessed. I look at my house and I think, you know, I've got almost 2,000 square feet living on an island in the panhandle of Florida where people save and crimp and, and, and do everything they can to spend two weeks a year here, and I get to live here year-round. I feel very blessed. I have a wife that, that loves me in spite of myself. Six kids, three granddaughters that, that we take care of. A wife that God has blessed with a talent to be a best-selling inspirational romance writer. And she loves me. God blessed me with her. 
He's given me influence in, in not just my city, but across the world in, in one of the, the most pro- professional and largest industries, the direct selling industry. Just today I had a gentleman from the Netherlands wrote a piece on me. I can't take that for granted. I, I, I thank the Lord that somebody saw something of value. I have Doug Fireball and his partner call me on the phone and say, we'd like for you to be the news director of our new radio network. We'd like for you to do a show over there to help people. You know how easy it would be to say, look at me, 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 and and let that go to my head? We're all like this, especially men. But I don't own any of this. God could take it all away. There's three things that Mark brings in here that I think are important. He says, first, with every, well, let me, let me go back and read what he wrote before I, I tell you this. Here's what he says. He says, my life today is blessed with wealth. I have a good business, a wonderful wife, three precious children, excellent health. I have a dream home, more possessions than I could ever need or deserve. And amid all that, to try to live with conscience of God's full ownership has several effects. See, he knows God's given it to him. God can take it away. says the first thing, it makes me thankful to the Creator who owes me nothing, yet gives me everything. What can I have but gratitude? See, are you, are you grateful for the blessings in your life? The second thing, it gives me purpose. Just as money managers invest and oversee the resources entrusted in their care, I see what God has made me a steward of or the fiduciary of with a mandate to invest wisely, spend carefully, and waste none of the resources in my care. Listen to me. That's just not money. That's your time. When I'm mentoring young boys, young men, and we get on to the, to the subject of porn, here's what I tell them. It's not, it's not the event that I'm worried about. It's not you looking at naked women that I'm worried about. It's the fact that you're wasting time on something, and you can't get your time back. See, the time is the one thing. That's the one asset that only God knows how much of it he's given us. And if we waste it on frivolous stuff, whether it's looking at pornography on a website, going to a strip club, hanging out with a person that we shouldn't, We're wasting an asset that we could be using to benefit others. The third thing that Mark writes, he says, The awareness of God's ownership opens my hands, loosens my grip on stuff. The standard is how much should I give. Gives away to how much should I keep. See, a lot of times it's a matter of, God, how much do I need? See, Warren Buffett, one of the richest men in the world, is not a a Christian, at least professes that he's not a Christian, and yet has given away the bulk of his estate to charity. See, if, if people that don't profess to be Christians understand that you need to give, then shouldn't we be saying, well, how much do I really need to keep? Do I really need all this? Is there something I can give? The other day I went through my my closet. I've got 12 years of Catalyst shirts. I took them up and gave them to Goodwill. 
some of those shirts are only given to volunteers. Not even just volunteers, but volunteers that are part of the A-team, and there's only about six of us. The other day, a young man who in the middle of a drug deal gone bad had been shot in the brain. The Lord spared his life, and he now comes to our church, still recuperating, still having loss was wearing one of those shirts that said, Experience this. It made my heart leap to know that something that I had given away had become a blessing in somebody else's life. Somebody he'll never know because he doesn't listen to my radio show. But it changed his life. See, this is what I love about what I do, and this is what you should love about what you do. It's about giving to others. It's about making sure you realize you're blessed in life. Everything you have was given to you for a purpose. The next time you feel like, I don't think I can handle this anymore. The next time you feel like, well, why am I going through all this crap? The reason you're going through it is because you're supposed to learn something. You're supposed to help somebody else. You're supposed to be thankful to what God has done for you. It's not a pity trip. It's not about poor me. And trust me, I do it every day. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me. Tomorrow, it's great. We're going to be in chapter 13, the wisdoms of firsts. The first hour, the first day, the first dime. I think you'll love this chapter. I know I did. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. You'll be back here with me tomorrow morning on RealMentorsRadio.com. Bye now.